You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. One of the best parts of role playing games is character creation process. Do you guys agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you want to be a holy knight, an edgy rogue, a dark necromancer, the game is always better with more options. Yes. More class. Those of us here at the Crit Academy absolutely love delving into complex designs for new class options. After creating dozens of best-selling products, we've learned what makes each one balanced, fun, and engaging to play. We're going to be talking about the Sawbones Rogue today. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. Episode 297. Yeah. We're almost to 300, you guys. I am the host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Brandon. And we hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next tabletop adventure. Oh, shit. Before we get into today's main topic, you guys, there is a huge... Turd in the bowl? <laughs> Turd in the bowl, I guess. Um, as many of you know, uh, there's been a lot of talk of Wizards of the Coast and the own new OGL. I'm sorry, this is probably like your thousandth time hearing that word. Now, while this may not necessarily affect a bunch of players directly, it's going to af- it, it is affecting the community at large. The leaked document is not good for creators, and of course, Watsi's a little too late response does little to reassure small creators like us. Um, so first, we should like to point out that the current OGL is what allows us to be D&D content creators and was created with the idea that it will exist forever and could not be revoked, right? Now, Watsi themselves have said as much in the past as have those that created the original document. Now... We waited to make an official statement because we just want to make sure we hit all the information. Yeah, I mean, sure that's accurate. really important. And we wanted to verify that all the documents were from trustworthy sources. Now, at this point, Watsi's own official statement has verified authenticity of the leak, even though they claimed it's a draft version with a contract attached. Um, For people to sign. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the current OGL fits on one page. If you have a third-party book, whether it's from us, another group, or Cobalt Press, you'll find that document either in the front or in the back. Revoking the current OGL is meaning creators are no longer able to use it to create any new content for for the current version of the OGL. Now, giving Watsi the right to use any of the content that you create using the new OGL any way they see fit without compensating you in any way or even giving you credit. So they could take your product, 
publish it themselves, not pay you a penny. Sounds to me like legal theft. And never even credit you. And that's 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 not even the most of it. You know, mandatory reporting of not only your sales numbers, but the list of all your products and the prices that you sell them for. This would make it easy for them to see whose content is selling the most and will make it easier for them to choose what to take and publish as their own. Now, it also prevents you from pursuing legal action against them for any reason. It also gives Wizards of the Coast the right to change the new OGL at any time with only 30 days notice. That's fucked up. Isn't it? That's the worst one. Uh, This could mean that if you run a Kickstarter like we do, um, and they suddenly change the rules before your product is published, you can now owe them a huge chunk of money. Uh, (laughs) And that is probably not part of your budget. So, and even worse, maybe... You now can't even publish the book because the change took so much of your money. You don't have enough under this license. How shitty would that be? You got all these backers, right? And then you have to send out an email saying, sorry, we can't print your book because Watsy's greedy. Yeah. So, and, and Watsy has now released an official response that kind of backpedals on some of it. However, admitting it was even there in the begin with is a huge red flag for small people like us. Um, many small creators have built their business on the promises of the current OGL that's lasted several decades and that it would always be valid in there for us. Even if the newer versions were created, that's very key, right? They could, it indicated they could update it and it, we could choose to use the older one. If we want, you could just ignore it, but that's not what this new one did. Have a new one claims anyway. Yes. Now, by even attempting to revoke the current OGL, they have basically lost all the trust of the community, including us here at Crit Academy. Now, they didn't so, think we were going to do anything, and everyone did. Well, yeah, and it, there's a lot to it, but I'm not going to bore everyone with all the details. I just want you guys to know where we kind of stand. At this point, Crit Academy can no longer depend on Wizards of the Coast OGL uh, to create content. Which sucks. We have a couple of 5e projects already in production that we hope will be available um, uh, to follow through on. And depending on the official new OGL ends up being, we'll see. We have a couple of other projects in the works that um, we will be converting to a system agnostic before they release. If you don't know what that is, it means it doesn't matter which fantasy RPG you play. It's still a powerful book and resource, much like a lot of the content we review. Now, moving forward, that in the short term, uh, we will be focusing on system agnostic content for all new publishing projects. In the long term, we are hoping projects such as Orc from Paizo, which is an uh, open RPG creative license, um, and by the Black Flag Initiative by Cobalt Press, which is a new RPG they're putting out that'll be based on the <laughs> ORC. Har! <laughs> Fucking Cobalt Press. Will allow us to continue to create inspirational content for our supporters and fans under this new system. And I do want to point out, too, that they are by no means the only publishers who are do- creating their own system. God, yes, and that's going to that's gonna shatter us for a little while, I think. Yeah. Um, until one... Like Highlander until they're all 
slitting each other's heads off and one rises to the top of the mountain, that's kind of where we're going to be at. But I think that um, that gives us some good opportunity, right, to expand our horizons. So our podcast will actually be adapting to kind of focus on a mix of system agnostic content, a variety of RPGs and tabletop games, and still including 5e content from small creators who deserve to be supported. It's still a good game, and we like to, and we still enjoy that game. But we want to, as always, feature content we think is good. That's just not from first parties. Yeah, and that's and and that's kind of where that's at right now. There are so many games out there, and I know Ian's played more than all of us, right? Yeah. I know he's got a bunch he's got that he hasn't played yet. It's like I'm up with this game. Me after I bought it, I'll probably only ever play this if I brought it myself. So it actually, <laughs> it's actually kind of exciting, right? Yeah. Because this means we'll be able to play games and share our um details with you. So. Uh, we will uh, try and focus on not only what makes these games great <laughs> on their own, but how these ideas and concepts can be implemented in the games at your in your games and at your tables. So we're super excited for that. Now, our Patreon page is still going to include 5e content for uh, the time being, uh, but we will be transitioning over uh, time to a more system agnostic content there as well. And our goal is to continue to bring inspiration to your games, no matter what system you choose to run at your table. Now, we hope you guys all understand why we had to make this decision as a business. We have to look out for our future and protect the work and content that we spend so much time making. And we look forward to expanding our RPG knowledge <laughs> and hearing from all of you about the game, what games you love the most. That was way longer than it was supposed to be, um, but it was very important. So how about we get into it? Today's main topic, you guys, is the Sawbones Rogue. If you haven't picked up our Extraordinary Expeditions book and or the new Extraordinary Player Options... Inside of it contains what did what did you call the rogue? A harmacist. A harmacist, right? Um, so <laughs> overall, uh, actually, do you want to touch on how you came up with that in the overall archetype design? Well, I mean, I pulled the term from like um, support character characters in various games that people play as a DPS, but basically, the harmacist is a rogue who has medical skills. Yes. <laughs> Instead of a pharmacist, you get it. You look confused. Yes, is this more along lines of like I'm going to sneak attack, but I'm just going to specifically go for that uh, Achilles right there. Some of it, um, Be- not all of it, because you have medical knowledge, so you know where to stab. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know your artery is here. So if you're looking for a unique healing experience, because let's be honest, the reason healers are always so hard to find is what? They're not fun. Boring. Yeah, they're boring. <laughs> well, I think we were very successful in finding a way to make a stabby stabby character balanced and still. Um, put out a good amount of damage. Obviously, it's not going to push out like the assassin can, but mm-hmm. it's still pretty high damage with the sneak attack <laughs> and stuff. So, so if you're looking for that unique non-magical class, then man, the extraordinary uh, player option has exactly what you're looking for. So, I'm a healer, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, sneaky healer sounds really interesting. I'll heal you, but you'll never know. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. So, Like Anna from Overwatch. <laughs> I certainly feel better, but I don't know why. Um, all right. So we all know that humanoid bottom bodies are very complex. You yeah. know, Few fully understand the intricate networks that allow a body to function. Well, 
luckily there are a few out there that study these complex um, features. So this is a subclass to the rogue that you pick up as your th archetype at third level. So what do you think the first core abilities we're going to give them is as soon as they pick up this, this archetype? Sneak heal. <laughs> Medicine. Medicine, right? Oh, okay. Sneak heal's a good answer, though. I'll give you credit for that one. <laughs> so they're going to give them the herbalism kit, and you're going to give them the med uh, medicine skill proficiency. Because you're going to be a practitioner of the healing arts, then that's going to be in perfect, uh, perfect uh, detail. And what's interesting about it is the way we were able to tie that kind of in to the core design of the class and the mechanics. Um, so the very first ability you get after you get the proficiency bonuses is called the surgical precision. Um, and I really like this overall concept. Uh, do you want to touch on it a little bit, Ian? Why? Starting at third level, you, well, your skills with, uh, surgical tools and anatomy has made your attacks that much more deadly. What weapon attacks against humanoid creatures with daggers and darts score critical hits? At 19 and 20. <laughs> Guess what? The champion isn't the only one that gets bigger hits. Yep. Now, this, for a rogue, is a huge boon. Yep. But this uh, yeah. boon is offset by the fact you don't get very many other damage-dealing buff abilities other than what your rogue yep. default toolkit is. What do you guys think about this? It definitely makes sense thematically. And, yeah. it, like you said, it kind of keeps them in the fight in terms of damage. I like the thought of darts because you can reflare them as like little scalpels. Or yes. <laughs> or throwing. Absolutely. Or syringes. Ooh, oh. syringes. Uh. It's not coated in poison. It's a syringe filled with poison that you're throwing and injecting in people. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Har uh, harmacist. Also, your drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> you're addicted to heroin. Dealing drugs. <laughs> so, um, so because we don't the because the. I keep wanting to say harmacist. Thanks, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> because the so, uh, Sawbones doesn't get a lot of um, damage-increasing abilities, this was kind of a, a good staple for players to want to pick it up and you get at it, the early level. And you get it right away. And if you manage to basically create a dual-wielding build for the rogue, they yes. can double down on this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Double, double down. I love it. Um, and that's kind of the the, the core right there. But obviously, <laughs> we're going sawbones. We're going rogue. We're healing. So this also is interesting because is there any other non magical healers? Not that. I can... uh, uh, yes, actually, the monk. The monk. Yes, the chiropractor monk. <laughs> so they that's use the key, right? Yeah. Or just like bending your back. <laughs> anyway, so this is another right. kind of area that isn't really tapped into, um, by the 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 company who shall not be named. <laughs> so uh we're gonna give him another ability at third level brandon <laughs> way of yes. mercy monk the way of mercy monk i didn't know that yeah painful fist or healing touches so we're gonna give him the herbal remedy now what is an herbal remedy well at third level, you're able to create a common healing agent. During a short or long rest, you can create herbal poultice mixtures using your herbalism kit. Now, you can create a number of doses equal to your proficiency bonus. The herbal remedies lose their power after 24 hours of being created. So, you can't stockpile them in their... <laughs> But additionally, oh, a chiropractor. Okay, <laughs> a chiropractor. 
<laughs> Akia! <laughs> I, I thought it was an L at first, because of the way it was... Uh... <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, additionally, oh when you get this at... You level up, it gets a little uh, stronger. Uh, it is worth noting that um, an herbal poultice uh, functions in a little bit different ways from a more traditional uh, healing option. So, the first thing you can do is you can create an herbal antitoxin. As part of your poultice, right, which basically allows them to grant advantage to anybody that drinks it uh, against saving uh, poison and disease for one hour. So if you know you're going into like a swampy area, mm-hmm. you can kind of create some of these in advance and buff up your team to protect against the swamp trolls. What's on your mind, B? I was thinking of Goodberry. That's what it reminds me of. Sure. Goodberry, yeah. You, oh, without spellcasting. You produce that. This, yeah, this is spellcasting now. We produce one last for 24 hours and so on. Yeah. So, um, it's worth noting the that we have a multitude of the different uh, poultices, um, a couple of different ones. Now we talked about the first one. Now we've got the herbal poultice. This is the one that's going to probably be used the most often. <laughs> Yum. Um, as an action, uh, you can use a single dose of the poultice to basically tend to wounds on a creature. This includes restoring hit points equal to your level plus your proficiency bonus. The creatures can't regain hit points from this until they finish a shorter long rest again. No, your level or its level? Your uh, level. Your level. So the higher level you are, the more effective you are at making a poultice. Oh, so it's a typo. And, <laughs> okay. Get, yes. Get, <laughs> and just for clarification, your character's level or your rogue level? I'm pretty oh. sure it says character level. Okay. Not rogue level. I just want to clarify. That's an important distinction. Yeah, it is. So, uh, <laughs> but it is still limited by how frequently you can regain the benefits. Sure. Which was necessary to keep it in line with spellcasters, right? Yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Reading through this uh, archetype, I kept on thinking about the duct tape mage meme <laughs> that I see pop up, <laughs> like some guy died on the ground. Dude, you gonna heal me? <laughs> Get on the table. <laughs> He has ongoing duct tape. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Do you want to tell us about the next one? The this pu- is the one I think that got the most positive feedback um, from the playtesters. Uh, it's called the Potent Potion of Healing. Uh, this is pretty neat. You mix herbs with your herbals and kit and expending 50 gold pieces worth of materials. You can create a single potent potion of healing. A creature who drinks the magical red and green fluid <laughs> regains a number of hit points equal to 2d4 plus double your proficiency bonus. So it's like a regular uh, healing potion, but not but better. Not the plus two. Yeah, because it starts off at plus two. Yeah. It basically 2D4 allows you to create two. potions. It still costs as much because it has to say balance, but because you have a natural knack, you actually make them better. Yep. Even the crappy ones yeah, become cool. better. <laughs> yeah. And it takes an action to administer it. But what... So, uh, what we struggled with and what really makes us cool is that 50 gold becomes less of a cost the higher level you get. Yeah. So even when it's only 2d4 plus 6, that's still a boon even at higher levels. So yep. Now, before we move into the, the next ability, what is your guys' overall thoughts of this core mechanic of the Sawbones that you can find inside our Extraordinary Expeditions book or our Extraordinary uh, Player Options? I do think you will see the most mileage out of this at lower levels, mm-hmm. but on the flip side, too, that's where most games are anyway, so... That's also... That's a, a fair point. And I'm not say, saying that this will be useless at higher levels, because it will keep... Especially in the middle of, like, combat, potentially, or in between combat, keep players up or get them back on their feet. Yeah. And there's definitely something to be said about that. Absolutely. What about you, B? 
I would want to try this. It looks fun. It sounds fun. I'm just imagining what it would feel like to drop a sneak attack with the abilities from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where the most of the damage comes from this. I'm not going to lie. A snarky part is going, hey, assassin, rogue, I do what you do, but better. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you can do, I can do better. No, you can't. Yes, I can. You're already dead. <laughs> <laughs> You are already dead. <laughs> you didn't even know. Um, so what I really liked about uh, designing and playing this was that it gets away. It gets it gets rid of the 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 issue that people have with playing a healer. Sure, you're not going to put out the most damage, but critting more often, even if it's with a dart or a dagger, is still a very high damage per round. Especially if you pulled off with a sneak attack. <laughs> yes. Well, and if you're dual wielding, as you mentioned earlier, yep. you basically are doubling the amount of uh, chances you're going to be able to get the sneak attack. Yep. Right? And the crit range is doubled. So it definitely yep. is an uh, interesting mechanic. How do you think it blends with some of the other uh, core rogue abilities? I don't have the core rogue abilities up there. You're going to have to. Uh, yeah, that kind of makes it. Kind of cunning. Cunning dodge, I think it was. Cunning action. Yep. Cunning action. Uh, evasion. Uh, a more evasive healer that make that the enemies might target, but some of their abilities might keep them in the fight. Yes, that's actually... I'm glad you said that, because that's exactly the response I was looking for, because yep. one of the risks of being a healer typically is their soft and squishy cleric paladin no longer kind of fit in that line. I mean, rogues are still kind of squishy compared to the martial classes and they don't want to be caught in the open, but they have ability at least to work around that. Yeah. That, so, that would be neat, Andrew, but that this one can only uh, crit on 19 or 20 with uh, daggers and darts. Yes. yes. It, that's very, let's make sure that's clear. It's only crit range only applies to da dar darts and daggers. So no more, you know, big giant, uh, rapier in the face so i mean you can but you lose that benefit so That's why right. would you um all right so going up to ninth level they actually get their medical examination ability uh so if they spend at least one minute interacting or observing another character outside of combat they can learn what a lot fuck? of information about its anatomy so the gm basically can tell you up to two pieces of information about that creature. does this sound familiar yes yeah it does it's yeah. your ability it's the fighter ability that people say is worthless. We made it not worthless. <laughs> so the D GM can reveal uh, the strength and uh, two pieces of information about the creature's strength and uh, weaknesses of your choice. So that's immunity, resistance, and vulnerabilities right out the gate. So this rewards what type of play? The observant one or those who are cautious or those who plan ahead. <laughs> yes. What do you think about that, B? That's awesome. Uh that, I was thinking of uh, how many times it's going to help my players in trying to figure out something about the big bads. Because when I run monsters, uh, I've actually had a player who's sitting off si by the sidelines with the monster manual. He's just kind of like flipping the pages. I finally noticed it. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, your monsters don't seem accurate. It's like, that's because I'm not using any of the monsters in the monster manual. I give I them my own attributes because I know you're looking for them. <laughs> See, that's... Uh, it's like, that's... well, I don't know what it's weak against. Good. You're not supposed to. <laughs> Um, I do also encourage that uh, GMs, if you're not already doing this, make sure that players do get the opportunities to get these pieces of information through research or interaction with NPCs, uh, etc. 
Um, so what do you get? What do you? Th- I mean, this is a pretty interesting ability, right? Yeah. It really fits that rogue theme about well, let me go observe, see what I can learn from them, you know, and and enhances the potential reward by being able to know a vulnerability is huge. Mm-hmm. Nothing worse than fighting a monster and find out it's immune to something. That's what all your spell slots you took for that day or whatever, right? That yeah, you, you prepared. Could, you could totally flavor it as this little thing that fits so. over your ear and your eye and it goes do 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 when you're reading. <laughs> What's the scouter say, Vegeta? <laughs> All right, so it is worth noting that at the GM's discretion, you might uh, also realize you know a piece of interesting lore um, just by observing them. So that's up to uh, the GM, and that always has been, right? Yep. So uh, one of the the next abilities is study anatomy. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about this, Ian? Yep, and you get this at the 13th level. During a long rest, you can research and study a specific type of creature and you choose from one of the following creature types from the this very long list you have a, <laughs> you have advantage on medicine and nature checks related to that chosen creature type and then you can now use your surgical persistent features against said chosen type and additionally you can use your cunning action to use an anti-toxin healer's kit or potion of healing which get, there it is yep and this feature lasts until you use it again during a long rest. Now, the the company that shall not be named insists you can't use potions as a... Jeremy Crawford. Yeah, as, well, whatever, he still works for him. Yep. Anyway, it says you can't use potions because they're magical as a bonus, as part of your uh, thieves, the thieves, yep. uh, what is that ability? Fast hands. Yeah. I said F it at 13th level, yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, uh, the feature does last until you use it again uh, during a long or rest. Du- during a long rest. So you basically are opening up a medical book yep. and looking through it to learn about a creature specifically for the immediate access yep. and bonuses that come with it. Uh, not going to lie, my first reaction was my thought about this was back in the webcomic Dr. McNinja. Wouldn't the main character yell at one time to his dad? Hit him in the left butt cheek. That's his weakness. <laughs> what? Yeah. But but then I realized, wait, that's actually a thing. Especially if you, because deer hunters know if you actually shoot a deer in the butt, that's actually one of the best places you can actually hit, shoot them. Because it can't jump? No, because it's the main artery there. They'll bleed out fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, so is that saying, like, uh, if my rogue sits down and they're reading through this book, right, and they learn about kobolds, okay, yep. so now they can do this with kobolds. And but the next time they look through, it's like okay, we just bought a bunch of kobolds. Let's see, how about some basilisks? Okay, basilisks. Do you just it only for, li- yeah? Well, kobold? it's more like preparing a spell, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have to keep it in your forefront because while they learn it, the a general doctor versus a a uh, very specific doctor, right? A specific specialist knows everything about that, but a general constantly has to flip to remember. About yeah. specific details. Plus, it's a balancing uh, mechanic. Stop judging me. Okay. And, <laughs> judge, judge, judge. And specialists make more money. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right. We all know how often we get to capstone abilities. Never. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's sad. Uh, I want to design an RPG, and it's not going to take years to get to the level cap. <laughs> uh, all right. So we had to give a really appropriate ability for the capstone for the Sawbones Rogue. Now, we did say, yes, yes, they're healers first, blah, 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 blah. 
But that just means to know how to hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> we would be remiss if we didn't give them something that allowed them to take advantage of all that medical knowledge. Brandon, do you want to tell us about bloodletting? Bloodletting. At 17th level, you've mastered the complexity of the anatomy and have learned this uh, to spot a target's weakness with intense scrutiny. <laughs> oh, I'm watching shit. you. Uh, this allows you to take advantage of their vital areas to deliver a fatal blow. Oh, shit. Choose a creature that you can see within 30 feet of you. As a bonus action, mm. Mm, bonus uh, action. you can make a DC 13 wisdom medicine check. 18. Oh, that's, that's definitely that's, 18. I said 13 tonight. Yep. Uh, 18, I'm <laughs> going blind. Sorry. Uh, on a success for the next minute. Minute. It's 10 rounds. Wow. Yeah. Don't get too excited. Uh, the, something's jiggling. <laughs> on, a, on, a hit, <laughs> on a hit with a melee weapon, the creature instantly dies. What the fuck? Oh, if they have less than 60 hit points. <laughs> like, Holy shit! Regardless of your damage roll, on a failure, the creature becomes immune to this feature for 24 hours. No, that's, that's pretty cool. Constructs are immune to this feature. Because they don't have vital components. Can we also point out the fact huh. that um, rogues get double proficiency with their skills? Yes. And... At a certain point, they can't roll below a 10. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> that's why that got dropped more than once. It started off uh, almost equal to power word kill. Yeah. And needed to be dropped significantly. In <laughs> some ways, it seems similar to me to the way of the open hands monks. <laughs> Which mechanic? Ability. Um, the quivering palm. They get the, the one I get at five? No. Hmm. Or is that the death one where they can just the death punch somebody and then they can die like when they decide? 48 points of yep. damage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, this one's definitely... So, so my point is there's a precedent for something like this. Well, yeah, and we're, uh, the, the power word kill spell does this, but better. Yeah. Of course, that's like a ninth level spell. It's also spell. Uh, not yeah. the proper definition for bloodletting. Oh. Anyway, bloodletting is far more disturbing. I don't need to know. Thank you. <laughs> so, audience, bloodletting is the no. Uh, shut up! I wrote I wrote of... a word and then looked for a cool bitch and synonym. Okay. Oh god, it's the, <laughs> it's the medieval act of draining your bad blood when you're diseased, in the hopes that your new blood will generate new, so people would end up killing themselves because they were draining their blood. Thanks for Try, that. Trying to heal themselves. That's exactly what's happening here. Yeah. But anyway, so <laughs> this is potent. It Ooh. is strong. It does require a successful check. Uh, wisdom every time they do it. It does consume a bonus action. It does have a requirement. Mind you, at 17th level, do you know how many how hard a sneak attack crit can do? It hurts. It basically is mm -hmm. just the I win button for weak monsters. Um, but it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, overall, um, what do your guys think about the Sawbones Rogue from Extraordinary Expeditions? slash extraordinary player options that you can pick up now and support a small content creator instead of the company that shall not be named. One of the, the strength of the rogue classes is utility. And I think this is an archetype that taps into that. Yep. Huh. Oh, Andrew uh. has a good question. Do I think that first time GM should allow content from our book or should they wait until they have a better handle on it? Players' abilities and options is not your responsibility most of the time. So there's no problem from the player options perspective. Yeah. You're not expected to know everything all the time. And we are all DMs anyway, and we'll be the first to admit we don't know everything. Yeah. And these are – our adventure book, for instance, is designed for simplicity – 
so you don't need to be an expert. And honestly, even if you are an expert or a new person, you're going to find value in the books. They're not going to be any more complex than anything else you might find or buy, I guess. Yeah. So I would say I wouldn't restrict yourself from third-party content just because you don't know everything or you're new. Um, to say I've been DMing for six years and I'm still asking my players what the hell that is. Like I, I have a player doing a grave cleric. First time I've ever seen him. I have no idea what comes with it. So I'm constantly asking him, like, oh, okay, what can they do again? Because that's the thing is we can't with with the exception of weirdos like me and Ian, we can't find the time to. Most people can't find the time to read through all that content. I only read through it because I have a show about it and I write about it. But even then, I forget <laughs> it immediately after I read it. Yep. He remembers most of it. Which is Ish. Bizarre. So, and, and, and I played official society games or or Avenger League, where even the DMs don't seem to know everything. Yeah. So get what you want. What if support your creators? Learn the stuff as you go and have fun. That's that's all we want. And if you do find that it's overwhelming, then take your time and get get acclimated until you feel comfortable taking that step. But yeah. I'm I'm very much of the jump in the pool head first, whether there's water or not. So <laughs> And that's how you broke your ankle. No. Yes. <laughs> so you do you, bro. And uh, this is how you this is uh, unbiased. Because even if you're a new GM you still don't know what all the other uh classes are. Yeah. yeah. So regardless. I mean, shoot, when I ran a monk at Jasper's game day when we went there, I even had the dungeon master going, you can do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll never forget it's where you kicked that guy off and he went splat like, uh, off the tower. Yeah. The the Dampier? Apparently they can, like, Misty Step or something like that? No. No, I don't think they can. Or maybe, or maybe it's a Warlock feat. All right, yeah. so, yeah, there is one. All right, so I think that'll do it for our main <laughs> topic today. We get to read content? Well, when I'm on the toilet. <laughs> That's lovely. That's the best time to read. That or when I'm in a bath. Did I just lose man cred for admitting that I love baths? No. I love a bath. Nothing better than I got bath, the bath bombs and shit. It's awesome. With the bath bombs and candles. Maybe some, well, can I roll... maybe some Kenny G. <laughs> My wife rolled a nat 20 <laughs> on Awesome Wives when she bought me a big thing of bath bombs. Yeah. Like, who does that for their husband? And he's like, ah! I gotta go take a bath now. Andrew asks, will we allow the sawbelling clash of classes if it ever comes back? Of course. If it ever comes back. We'll see. Maybe. Yeah, it was fun, but man, we'll just be on the scenes on that one. Yeah, he had a lot of work to do. He's, he did All right. a lot of work. Oh my god. So, <laughs> before we move on to our honor tips and tricks, I want to take a moment to let everyone know that it is now. We have a new project coming up soon. Our Kickstarter for Alex's Bombastic Oddities launches February 21st for any tabletop RPG. Very so nice. watch out for our social, watch on our social medias, our email updates, all that stuff. Please help support that. Um, with the, there's a lot of uncertainty right now, so we can use all the help we can get, making sure that this uh, is successful. So if you don't know, uh, we've had Alex Baum, uh, a very popular influencer in the tabletop RPG industry. Uh, I've been on the show several times. Woman's Hilarious runs my games of initiative and intrigue. And she has this collection of lore and story that she built over years. And it is phenomenal. If you haven't watched the initiative and intrigue games, go back and watch them. You can find them on the, on our YouTube at youtube.com slash Alex Baum. 
and we will uh, uh, she shares that knowledge of her gods. If you don't know who Boozy is, you're missing out. Best damn deity in any game I've ever been in. He's fun. He's a, a douche and loves trickery, just like me. It's great. Um, but it's a collection of fantastic gods, new races, the Iote, I think, uh, is how it's pronounced. I always I see it in my mind, but I never know if I'm saying it right. The Iote, which are kind of a mix of uh, like kind of like the Genasi, right? They're half elementals. And those are really fun. They have unique powers, unique abilities, going to be great. But what's really interesting is all the oddities. She has a vast list of just random things you can generate from these tables to throw into your D&D games. And they are so much fun and ridiculous. So definitely check it out. <laughs> Consider becoming a backer. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We have a new monster, the Zombie Plague Bringer. Before I even talk about it, what do you think it is? A rotting zombie corpse that spews disease. Oh, that's a really good guess. What about you, B? Do you got a guess? That's my thought. It's a Zombie Plague Bringer. What if I told you that oh, when wait, it dies... Wait, 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 wait. That could be some a person who is bringing on a plague of zombies. Okay, I can see that. But that's just a different perspective, so I don't know. All right, so uh, <laughs> this little bastard uh, has corpse explosion. When you kill it, it just explodes and spews a vile, decaying disease that's onto the creatures within 10 feet of it when it dies. Uh, so yes, I smashed it. What is that smell <laughs> is going to be the surprise. Your characters aren't expecting. We started with the mummy to get a nice CR three. Um, they must make a con save or get this rotting disease that if they die, turns them into a plague bringer themselves. Yeah. What do you guys think about this concept? I just had flashbacks to when I was playing Dragon Age, the spell Virulent Walking Bomb. <laughs> I, I don't remember that one. It's in the RP it's in the tabletop RPG at the very least. But walking but the walking bomb spell is you basically infect your opponent's blood with a spiritual disease and if they die from the damage, because it does ongoing damage, mm -hmm. they explode. And Virulent awesome. Walking Bomb basically does that, but it spreads. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So this slowly turns players into one? Yes. Yep. So it's worth noting that it requires a successful DC 18 wisdom medicine check or a lesser restoration healing spell to cure it. Um, so you'll eventually get it, but you'll probably die. It deals damage every round. Yep. And uh, if it kills somebody, um, they're boned. Ah! <laughs> they're boned. Get it? They become zombies. So how long does this last? Until it's removed. So they're going to take 2d6 poison damage every 6 seconds until they get to the next town? They ain't going to make it to the next town. That's the point. Either you have the lesser restoration spell, you succeed on a wisdom check frantically, or for Phil three? gets it. <laughs> That's so sad. I know, Not for me. I think it's great. <laughs> Everyone's going to be like, we should have took the wisdom uh, medicine check scale because nobody ever takes that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, Andrew says something interesting here. You want to drive your players nuts? Give them a weapon of warning and make it a broken magic so that it goes off sometimes when there's no danger. 
<laughs> That's glorious. Um, overall, it's a pretty fun monster. Uh, I can see it being uh, fitting right into any uh, That's funny. area uh, that you want to go viral. Like yeah. our show. Help us go viral. Share this shit. All right. That'll do it for our the monster. Nice. The big bringer's zombie. Yeah. I'll do the encounter. It's called uh, Murky Depths. As the party wades through the murky black waters of the marsh, they suddenly hear a loud, guttural noise. <laughs> As they look around for the source, they see a group of 2D4 plus 2 giant crocodiles emerging. What the fuck? <laughs> Not from the water. Their eyes locked on the party. The crocodiles are fiercely territorial and will attack anyone who intrudes on their territory. Give us a dinosaur noise. <sighs> Oh, that's good. Uh, this sounds more like a loogie. <laughs> <laughs> Just as the party is about to engage the giant crocodiles, they hear a loud splashing noise behind them. They turn to see a 20-foot-long crocodile, twice the size of the others, charging at them from the rear. <laughs> dush, 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 dush. <laughs> this crocodile is a rare, ancient beast known as a gargantuan crocodile. Ooh. And is even more dangerous than the giant crocodile. Well, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, the party will have to fight their way through the giant crocodiles and the gargantuan crocodile if they want to continue through the marsh. Yeah. That's pretty straightforward. So, uh, The murky water and uneven ground of the swamp makes it difficult for the characters to move and fight effectively. Ouch. You just design, like... Oh, yeah. Each character's speed is halved. I should design encounters? Is that what you said? No, you design, like, the, the kind of traps. encounters, like, just screw fuck my players. That's true. Each character's speed is halved, and they have disadvantage on dexterity checks and saving throws. Ouch. That sucks. If they manage to defeat the crocodiles, they can continue on their way. But yeah. they should be careful, as they may encounter more dangerous creatures in the treacherous swamp. I When I run encounters like this, I like the monster to be unkillable. You can kill all the little ones, but the big one is something that requires you to kind of get clever about fighting. Maybe banishment. Bastard. <laughs> um, or just running away in general while you're trying to fight. So you got kind of this battle chase thing going on, right? <gasps> what do you guys think about that? So I do have one quick question. What step like, are we using for the gargantuan crocodile? Uh, a gargantuan creature. I would say purple worm. I mean, whatever you want. Okay. I didn't. I didn't have one in mind. I just say make a giant one. Take the giant crocodile and beef its numbers up by two. <laughs> sure, <laughs> you would need more than that. But yeah, so the yeah. idea behind that is that you're fighting all these little ones. You're running through mucky waters. This thing is chasing you, and you can't beat it by just swinging a sword, right? You need to find a way to delay it. Yeah. So just a trash stack. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I would agree with that. That could work. Just so every time someone uses magic on him, it just reflects back and hits him. Fireball. All right. <laughs> oh, shit. Fireball. That didn't work the first time. I thought it might work the second time. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for our encounter. Our magic item is... The Black Dragon Acid Scale Mail. That's a mouthful. Yes, it is. And it's rare, and it requires attunement. And this shimmering black scale mail is made from the scales of a black dragon. Treated with a special asset that gives the armor its dark hue. And they're really a nice uh, glimmering sheen, in my personal opinion. The scales are infused with the dragon's innate magical ability to breathe acid, and they grant this ability to the armor's wearer. While they're wearing this armor, they can use an action to exhale a 15-foot cone of acid. Oh. 
Yep, and each creature must make a deck saving throw, taking 3d6 acid on a failed save, or half as much on a success. The acid damage obviously must pass and dissolves organic matter it touches. <laughs> and the armor has an AC of 16 and is immune to acid damage, or rather makes the wearer immune to acid damage. That's a great yeah, clarification. That's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a terrible writing. <laughs> Somebody should fire Justin. Yep. <laughs> and they also... Grant fire resistance to the wearer. And the ember has three charges, and it regains 1d3 at dawn. And you can use your action to expand one charge and release, well, a 15-foot gun of acid as mentioned above. <laughs> oh, clearly, I, clearly I left in some of my notes when I was just drafting it. Hopefully you uh, updated it for the blog. Because <laughs> it, it, it sounded like it was worded like the armor was breathing acid, not the user. That sounds way cooler. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like you, you you do that thing like like what's uh was a Cyrax or Sector one of them they open their open chest their chest and, and just think there's bomb will fall out or a missile shoot Cyrax does that I think so Sector shoots Sector, the rockets Sector's he's the red one right yeah he shoots, he the, shoots rockets. the rockets the other one shot, drops the bombs Mortal Kombat yep. for old people or the armor <laughs> or this armor lets you do the combat by doing a Hadouken <laughs> oh I love that. My chest plate has a mouth that opens on its own. That is way cooler. We're going with that. I like this item revised immediately. Good like, job, Kiwi. The armor definitely is the thing releasing the gout of flame. Like the Giver. Acid. What did I say? Flame. You know what? Stop talking to me. You hurt my feelings. Making <laughs> your party isn't. All right. So <laughs> I'll tell you what the party's not. Safe. <laughs> you know what I'm envisioning? Uh, like Iron Man, right? His little, he's got that little chest blaster thing, right? Lena Beam, yeah. Anybody else find it <laughs> that he knows what that's called? I've never heard it called that. Is that like in the comics? Yeah. Because they definitely never call that in the show. He Anyways. Kn- he knows everything. I wouldn't say he knows everything. Just more than you would think. Think. You know, no, the wife I and feel I were, like he's one of those people that has those little calendars and it gives them a useless fact about nerds. The wife and I were in Barnes & Noble the other day, and she's like, I want this board game. It's huge. I've seen it before. I want to play it, but I don't know how to play it. It's like, I'm pretty sure Ian does. <laughs> what <laughs> game? It. I can't remember what it's called. It's something about zombies in a giant house. Oh, uh, that... House on the Haunted Hill? Not that one, though. Okay. Zombie side? No, that's not it. She, she does want that one. She... Oh. All right, so yeah, moving on, <laughs> our Dungeon Master tip of the podcast is... Balance and reward. Yeah. Bet you guys can see what's coming here. Uh, Have a good balance of challenge and reward in your game. I actually see people suck at this sometimes. Make sure that I'm actually guilty of this, honestly. I think think every DM's guilty of this at some point. Make sure that the players are consistently making progress, but also make sure that they are faced with meaningful challenges that test their skills. It doesn't make for fun if a they're steamrolling everything though some people will find that fun children especially yep um (laughs) but also that the challenges actually have weight right good balance of the story and the challenges and the rewards helps keep the game interesting and engaging for the players everyone loves loot they love boons they love people worshiping them in the game they love that stuff so (laughs) if the challenges are too difficult and there's little reward for the player's effort they may become frustrated and kind of lose interest so you gotta be careful like who wants to be like we conquered a mighty dragon what'd you get i got a bag of holding I got a rock. <laughs> it's black. 
<laughs> and covered in acid. It keeps tigers away. That's bullshit. <laughs> you see any tigers around? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, so on the other hand, though, Ugh. if the challenge is too easy and the re- rewards are too generous, the game may become boring and feel too easy. Yep. Kind of where I was saying it. So having a good balance is important to reward that sense of progression. And it's something that we as dungeon masters can stumble over uh, mm. enough that it needs to be said here on the show for you. <laughs> no, this is horse shit. What? My players have gotten to a, like one of the mo- most important temples in their game. And they used uh, the spells Invisibility and Windwalk to walk by fucking everything. They just... That's great. And somehow, they talked me into believing that uh, if they walk into an anti-magic field, they sh- they can still be the way they are because they had it cast outside the field before they entered. That's not how that works, I don't think at all. No, is it is, it? That's not at all how it, it works. They should have popped right out. But yeah. Mm. yeah. No, it's, it's gone. But I re- realized... Because like, I lost a character for that, and if it was ruled wrong, I'm going to be pissed. Uh, I jumped on top of a beholder once and i don't remember i had a buff or something on my barbarian and it fizzled instantly when i jumped on the bastard <laughs> ryan it was your fault <laughs> and now my inner rules lawyer is going wait a second you were on top of the beholder therefore not in front of its no I, gra- I went i jumped on it i said on top. i jumped on it and grabbed it okay. by its big eye <laughs> okay that's uh, different. <laughs> so i was literally in its cone and i was like that was stupid now, well, I remember one time I we once trying... basically shortchanged the entire session by over an hour. Like, so our goal is to break into this uh, wizard's tower and steal an item, right? Yep. Okay, wizard cast invisibility on me. I'm going to cast Pass Without Trace on, my, on myself because I'm an arcane fixer. God damn it. <laughs> <Got> it. <laughs> breaking everything. That's, that's, what, that's the beauty of what yeah, it is. I was trying to figure out where this was coming from. I was like, okay, none of them know Windwalk. Where's that coming Wait a minute. One of them earned a ring of a summon to Genie. Or a Genie. And, a it's a legend, legendary item. Yep. But they found it was just a random roll, and the genie can do that. Yep. But they can only stay for an hour before they disappear. So they use plane shift to shift to like her native plane where they like yep. get a whole long rest. But they didn't kill the mage that they were fighting in the first place, and she used uh, sending to warn everybody in the fire temples like, "Hey, they just use this. They're probably going to come back. We should get ready for that." Yep. They did that, and uh, they ran into a glyph ward of the spell magic, and the genie disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, bitch. Yeah, I know I mentioned before, but now flashing back to in a game of Pathfinder where we went to a mansion which had three basement levels as part of a dungeon, and we found that out right away. I'm like, really? Shapes down on the floor, shapes on the floor, shapes on the floor. Bomb level! <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, that'll do it for our dungeon master yeah, tip. Yeah. <laughs> our player tip of the podcast is Don't be a dick! And you can avoid dickitude by being well rounded. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. Be open to trying new things. I was going to say, I'm around. RPGs are a game of endless possibility, and the best way to get the most out of them is to be open to trying new things. Stepping stepping outside (laughs) of your comfort zone. Yep. Don't be afraid to take risks and try new approaches and challenges. You know, a well-rounded character in your RPG is also more interesting from a roleplay perspective as well. They all will have more dimensions to their personality and their background, and which can make for a more engaging and immersive role-playing experience. That being said, yeah, it's important to note that a well-rounded character doesn't necessarily mean a character who is equally skilled in yep. every area. It's okay to have strengths and weaknesses. Yep. 
as long as you have a good balance of abilities that allow you to contribute to the party in a meaningful way. Please don't be that person that specializes in the one thing that'll come up once. Yep. Don't do that. Because then you put more pressure on the DM to make sure they're going out of their way to include that. And you're useless the rest of the time. Yep. And I think that's a good point to make, too, because I've definitely encountered some people, and just some people with the mindset of, well, I made a flawed character because I think that makes my character interesting. I'm like, yeah, but your character's useless. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, but worthless. What do you think, B? I think I have a few players that can learn from this. Yeah. I, I so if you're like, in Brandon's game, you should be listening to this. If you're not I, in I Brandon's don't think game, watches. why aren't you in Brandon's game watching this show? Yep. Like, matter of fact, uh, he doesn't even do social media or anything. So that's okay. He's never going to find out. <laughs> it's like making fun of Amish people. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's, okay, it's just a just joke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, uh, he has a fighter, Goliath fighter, uh, but his whole spiel is that he's a blacksmith. So okay. every session he's trying to make something. It's like, okay, ding, ding, cool. Because mm-hmm. he's got a, uh, a mobile black sta- blacksmith station with him on a wagon. Did you let him have that? I did. Well, there you go. And it's funny because they, it. it's the uh, Spelljammer go. campaign. So they have the Spelljammer. like, how can you get on the ship? It's like, oh, I don't really know. Build a is there a bay door? It's like, there is. It's like, can I get on the ship? Maybe. Give me some rolls. He didn't figure out how to get up there, but it's always, every session is, I want to make this, I want to make this, I want to make this. Like, you realize there's only a oh, very limited amount of weapons you can make, right? Yeah. yeah. Fabricate's getting... a good spell to kind of reference to be able to figure some yeah. of that out. Ooh. All right, so yeah, good balance of yeah. abilities and contribute in a meaningful way. Be a team player. Yeah. Holy hell. I remember a flashback to one time where we in a game I played years ago where a guy basically built a rogue who put made his high set charisma... And made dexterity their dumb stat, and specialized in etiquette for their main skill. And they tried to convince everything we encountered by, by etiquette. It's like, dude, it's a swamp beast or a golem. It doesn't give a crap about etiquette. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I think of your etiquette. Throw a pile of poo at it. <laughs> All right. Ew. I think that'll do it for our player tip of the day. <laughs> Don't be a dick! And you can avoid dickitude by listening to these weirdos. Being well-rounded. <laughs> I am a shape. Round is a shape. Potato. Potato. <laughs> All right, so before we close out, I want you to know, we are just a couple weeks from episode 300. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How? 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 I love it. Now... That. <laughs> we will be looking back at some of our favorite moments on the show. I hope you guys are thinking and listening back to some of them, documenting them so you don't show up. Oh, I don't know. We got. I'm listening to this stuff. We've been around a lot. Yep. We've really been around the block. Like, I feel like some... Never mind what I feel like. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, uh, we're going to be talking about our some of our favorite moments on the show. And we would like to love to hear from you. What are some of your favorite moments and topics as well? So, please email them to us uh, or message them to us on social media. You can uh, send them. Uh, let us know what are your favorite Crit Academy moments. You know? Oh, we want to right. hear because uh, we have our moments, but you're the ones that have been following us. About if me. you're still listening, I guess you've been following us for years. If you're just starting, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite moments may involve hot sauce, just saying. Yeah, I bet. You've done two <laughs> of those. 
blew out my innards. It was good. I got a whole bunch of hot sauce bottles for Christmas. They're really good. And then there was that flat layer stuff I gave you that one time. Yeah. Ooh, Brent's never had that. I'm pretty sure my heart's still not beating. <laughs> All right, so that'll do it for our show today. Yeah. If you enjoyed the show and you want to show your support, please do. Hit the little bell. Ring the little bell. Hit the subscribe button. Visit CritAcademy.com. Pick out some of our fantastic loot, um, especially since you will hopefully not be purchasing anything from the company that shall not be named for a while. Uh, follow us on social media. Please leave us a review on wherever you're at. Just, you know what? Tag us in a, in a comment when you have something interesting related to D&D. Or if you don't, just gaming in general. Maybe I'll respond. I like that stuff. Yep. I did want to do that plug for Andrew. Uh, I think they they said that uh, they like make the little dice potion bottles and stuff. Uh-huh. And they're doing a give, giveaway. And the ticket for the giveaway is the, your cancellation email from D&D Beyond. <laughs> You can uh, follow over on uh, our Discord, I think, is where Andrew was talking about that. Is that what yes. I, yeah. I don't remember. So come join our Discord, too. We talk a lot of uh, fun. So We took a lot of crap on there. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty glorious. All right, that'll do it for our show today. <laughs> I know. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Brandon. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. You love podcasts, the stories, the laughs, the unexpected turns. But when this episode ends, the silence starts. Not anymore. Audiobooks.com turns that silence into your next great adventure. With over 450,000 titles, from bestsellers to hidden gems, your love for listening just found its new best friend. And because you already know the joy of audio, we're giving you three free audiobooks to start your journey. Imagine your favorite podcast. Now with unlimited episodes. That's audiobooks.com. Keep the story going. Sign up for your free trial at audiobooks.com slash podcast free today. Because for podcast lovers like you, the end of an episode is just the beginning. That's audiobooks.com slash podcast F-R-E-E.